Well, praise the Lord. This is Pastor Jerry, once again, bringing you the Word. Hallelujah. We're always honored, always uh, feel privileged to be able to bring you the Word. We're so grateful that you're listening or watching in. Praise God. How are you connecting with us? Today, once again, uh, we're going to jump into the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. We've been working on a series. We've kind of a couple weeks into it now, talking about soaring in God. Amen. And talking about, uh, you know, just... Uh, Rising above, praise God, and being all that we can be in God. Amen. And so Isaiah 40, please. Of course, obviously, 30, verse 31 is a real key verse, but we're going to start with verse 25 because I want to, again, read through this to kind of bring everything out kind of in context of what's been said here, all right? So verse 25, again, God is answering the people of God here. He says, to whom then... Will you liken me or compare me? It just means who is like me is what he's asking here. Or uh, to whom shall I be equal? All right. In other words, who is my equal? So in other words, who is like me? Who's my equal? Right. And he's just trying to bring it across to him here. He says, lift up your eyes on high and see who, in other words, himself, see who has created all these things. In other words, just take a look around here, all right? In fact, I brought out last week, and I, I just think it's kind of ironic here, but this word uh, lift up here is a, a word, uh, the Hebrew word is NASA, okay, N-A-S-A, which uh, I just thought was kind of ironic, amen, talking about your space program. Now, obviously, the word NASA is probably an acronym or whatever, but uh, I just thought it was interesting that the Hebrew word NASA here is talking about lifting, looking up unto, you know, lift up and looking up into space, so to speak. Amen. I thought that was interesting. And he says, uh, see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. So he's talking about everything from uh, the stars, the planets, uh, you know, anything out in space, even the angelic hosts, okay, he calls them all by name, uh, by the greatest of his might, or probably by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. In other words, he knows where everything is. He knows what's out there. Amen. And he, he understands how everything works. He's just trying to make it clear here. All right. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? In other words, my people. He's talking about his people here. Uh, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim uh, is passed over by God. In other words, he's saying, why, why are you complaining? What's, what is it that's going on in your life that you feel you have a right to complain about? You know? What is it that's going wrong that I can't fix is what he's trying to bring out here. All right. Have you not known? Verse 28, uh, have you not heard? In other words, uh, aren't, aren't you getting this? Aren't you hearing this? How are you missing this here, right? The everlasting God, okay, the, uh, the, uh, that word literally means perpetual, without end. The everlasting God, all right, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Now, the one, one that has put all things into motion, the one that has designed and put everything that you see, uh, everything that you imagine, anyway, the one that, that has uh, you know, everything that's out there, he's the one that, that's put it into place, all right? He neither faints nor is weary. In other words, he doesn't get tired. Uh, he doesn't uh, pause to have to catch his breath all the time. That's what it's talking about here. His understanding is unsearchable, okay, which we kind of focused a little bit on that last week. Uh, his understanding is unsearchable or unmeasurable, okay? In other words, there isn't anything he doesn't know, okay? And we're going to come back to that here in just a second. He gives power to the weak. In other words, he energizes those who get tired, uh, and uh, to those who have no might, he increases their strength, right? So in other words, he causes it to multiply is what it means, or makes it to abound, okay, that strength, okay? Even the youth, 
uh, shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. Okay, and that just means uh, to fall exhausted is what it means. But he's talking about, again, and I bring this out every time, I believe, but uh, what he's talking about here is uh, he's talking about those that maybe feel uh, invincible. Like you think about that young man, okay, the youth, okay, young buck, okay, they just feel like, you know, they can do anything. And, you know, as a young buck, you, that's kind of what you feel. You kind of feel invincible, you know. But he says even the, the young buck gets uh, wore out and tired and, and falls exhausted, you know, at times, okay. So he's trying to bring out here that everybody needs him, okay. There isn't anybody out there that can do without him, because what he's bringing out. But those who wait on the Lord, it's kind of what we dove into last week, those who wait on the Lord or trust in the Lord, put their trust in the Lord, shall renew, amen, so uh, nourish, uh, to sprout, to spring up, okay, uh, to alter, to change, okay, uh, they shall renew their strength, uh, they shall mount up with wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, of course, last couple weeks, Talked about things like kind of the comparison of the eagle, you know, soaring as any, what that means for you and me as a child of God and our comparison in that. Last week, I uh, talked about, you know, the, uh, how God's above it all. He's the most high God. He's the Lord on high. Amen. And uh, the one that has all the answers, praise God. Today, it's kind of a part two of that a little bit, uh, shifting in a little bit, but at the same time, kind of extending what we talked about last week. Uh, if you go back up here into verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And if you kind of bring this out, what he's talking about here, uh, in fact, uh, in some, some of your uh, as you study this out, it means that there are no limits to what God can do. It's what it's bringing out here. There's no limits uh, to God, or the Most High is unlimited. Another way it's kind of worded, okay? So there's no limits, okay? He's unlimited, okay? He's what he's trying to bring out. So today I'm going to kind of focus on that a little bit. What we're going to do, um, we're going to jump back into the New Covenant a little bit. Uh, we'll come back here probably a little later here, but uh, Ephesians 3 and verse 20 is a verse that I kind of just uh, ended last uh, week with. Uh, so Ephesians 3 and 20, again, a common verse, but uh, seeing it in the light of everything that we're talking about here in Isaiah, uh, verse 20, uh, pardon me, Ephesians 3, verse 20, says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now, in context, again, he's trying to get you to see, understand that, you know, the one you're looking up to, the one you're leaning on, I mean, he's got no limits here, okay? In fact, uh, the word here when it says, now to him who is able to do, okay? Able to do, that uh, duname, okay? Which means uh, to be able or possible to do, uh, to be of power to do. Again, it's referring to something that's unlimited, okay? So in other words, God, he's bringing out here again that God is unlimited, Okay, there's no limits, okay, with what he can do, okay? In fact, uh, last week brought out, I think in the Greek, it brings out now to him who is able beyond all things or uh, above all things. In other words, no matter what else is going on, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. So he's really trying to stress in this verse here that there are no limits, okay? No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're going through, no matter what uh, uh, struggles or challenges or pressures you're, uh, you're up against here, he's trying to let it be known that God is able to do. He is unlimited. Okay, now hang on to that. All right, so now to him who's able to do 
exceedingly abundantly, okay, which it just means super abundantly or, or out of measure or without measure, okay? It also uses the word excessive here. So again, but it's trying to emphasize again, okay, there is no limits, okay? So without measure, okay, uh, which was the same phrase used in uh, Isaiah there. Okay, exceedingly abundantly above, the word above here, uh, hooper is the, is the uh, uh, Greek word. It means over and above. It means beyond all. Okay, you're kind of getting the point here, right? All right, uh, superior to, more than, better, best, highest. These are all synonyms to this word, which is, again, trying to show you no limits. Okay, God, he's above it all has all the answers, he's the one that has all the solutions, has all uh, everything that you need to get the job done or to overcome anything is all there, praise God. Amen, he's above it all. And then it says, now it's uh, above all that you could ask or think. Okay, I think the, um, the Amplified brings out infinitely beyond your highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Okay, so hang on to that. Okay, so, uh, but anyway, he's able to do uh, exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think, according to, now here we go, the power that works in us. And this is where we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. Okay, according to the power, dunamis here, which means miraculous power or ability, but it means a to-be-possible force. Okay, now hang on. It means existing in possibility. So now he says, according to the power, now listen, that works in us. It's not, he's not asking what works in him. He said, we've already established in this verse and with the text we've been using that there are no limits in God. But now, he's, now the, it, the text kind of shifts a little bit here and says, okay, now, but it's going to be according to something. So this, this dynamis, this, this miraculous, okay, this to-be-possible force, okay, that's at work in you, okay? Which What he's talking about here, this word that works in us is a word energero, where we get our energy, but it means to be actively working, efficiently working, or effectually operative, okay, is what it means. So what he's trying to say is, what can you believe for? That's what he's trying to bring out here. What, what about this power that God, this unlimited uh, power that he has, all that he's able to do, what how much of that can you believe for? How much of that can we get working in you? That's what he's asking. See, because really that's what it comes down to. All right, now I want to make a statement, and we're going to kind of, that's going to be kind of our emphasis here but, uh, today, but uh, that is this. You know, it's a great thing when you start finding out the kind of thoughts that God has for you. Like, for instance, you know, Jeremiah 29 and 11, he brings out, you know, I, my thoughts toward you are thoughts of peace and not of evil uh, to what? To give you a future and a hope. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing. Those are God's thoughts, okay? But see, what it comes down to is it really, it isn't really just about what God's thinking here. What matters is how much of that can you believe for? How much of that can you hook up to? So even though he says you have a future and a hope, can you say, okay, I'll, I'll hook up to that. I'll believe that. I'll let that, that's what's going to work in me. Uh, so now that unlimited uh, resource, that unlimited power, uh, that unlimited, um, you know, ability that God has, that all of heaven's resources have, amen, that's at work for us. How much of that unlimited power can I let work in me, all right? How much of that can I hook up to? How much of that can I get working efficiently in me, okay? That's what it comes down to. So even though God has got thoughts towards you that are good and right, he needs to know 
Is that the thoughts you have? Because that's really what it's going to come down to. That's what, a, that's what this Ephesians 3.20 is talking about. God's able to do all these things, but then it comes down to, you know, you know, how big can you ask? How big can you think? How big can you hope? How big can you dream? You know, how big can you desire? Okay, you know, those are some of the words used in the amplified version of this. But he's saying, you know, how big can you, you know, if you can, you know, can we get enough of this working in you that you can go to God and say, God, I'm believing for this. I'm trusting you for this. I'm asking for this. I'm leaning in for this. I'm, I'm believing that that unlimited power is at work right now on my behalf, amen, to cause me to not be limited by anything. In fact, the word limit in itself is a word that means to a point and no more. To a point and no more. And so a lot of times, even though God's unlimited, okay, we operate out of limits based on how we think and how we see things. Are you hearing me today, child of God? There are no limits in God. The scripture says in Luke uh, 1, verse 37, uh, says that for with God, nothing will be impossible. Okay, uh, that was Luke 1, 37. Luke 18 and 27 says, uh, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Again, showing that there are no limits for him, all right? Now, I just thought it'd be interesting, okay, and this is the reason I brought these verses up, okay, because the word impossible, okay, is a word that's defined, that which is seen, in other words, here we go with that, what you see, that which is seen as not possible or thought as not obtainable, okay? If something's impossible, it's seen as not possible or thought as not obtainable, okay? So it comes down to how you see things and how you think things. Now, I know these are things that we've talked about behind this pulpit many times, but I'm trying to bring out here, okay, if we're going to soar in God, Okay, if we're going to soar as we should, we, the way this is going to have to work is we're going to have to hook up with our, the way we see things and think things. We're going to have to connect our thoughts with his thoughts, connect how we see things with how he sees things. So if he's unlimited, so that we, we can operate, amen, in that unlimited power, amen, and it's going to come down to this, how we're seeing things and how we're thinking things. A verse that we used, uh, well, um, verse that we used last week out of uh, uh, Colossians 3 and verse uh, 2 uh, says, uh, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on, uh, things on this earth. All right. So the reason we started, you know, kind of moving in is because it's all about where you put your attention. If you're going to set your attention down here, you're probably always going to operate in, an, in a limited fashion. You're always going to be limited by how it looks or how you think. But if you can get your attention up here, Amen. Remember what Jesus said to the father that had the epileptic son. And the father says, you know, if you can do anything, you know, heal my boy. Well, you know, he's just a father looking to get, you know, an answer here because of what he's, you know, been dealing with. And obviously this has been something that's been ongoing for a while. And Jesus didn't say, you know, hold on, we'll, 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 get, we'll get her done here. No, he looked at him, he says, and this is Mark 9, 23. He says, if you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. In other words, if I could change how you're seeing this right now, and I could change how you're thinking right now, we can get a change here. Well, of course, right off the bat, the father got it. He, the father understood what he meant. The father made a shift, amen, and when he did, 
just, we're talking seconds later, his boy is delivered for something that's probably been there for years, okay? And all it took was an adjustment, a tweak, so to speak, of how he saw it and how he thought it. And sometimes that's all it takes for us to get our breakthrough, our miracle. Because, you know, we might mentally assent to the fact that all, God has no, no uh, limits, okay? But, but then we come down here and we start locking on to everything down here in this natural realm. And then even though we know mentally that there are no limits with God, but somehow or another we still attach our seeing and our thinking, come on, with what's going on right here and what happens now, we limit it. In other words, according to the power that's at work within us. In other words, right now, it's not, there's not a whole lot of that working in us because we're too focused, locked on. Our attention is set on what's happening right here, uh, how we see things. And so as a, as a result, our attention, our thinking now is based on what's around us instead of looking up to the one that has no limits and locking our attention onto the one that has no limits. Now, again, some of these are some of the things I brought out last week, but I'm trying to emphasize this because if we're called to soar in God, if we're supposed to you know, mount up with wings like eagles, lock those wings that no matter what we're dealing with, we, we, we head in and we face whatever circumstance and situation, we know that when we do that, praise God, in God there's no limits, that God is above it all, that God not only has all the answers, but he has all the ability, amen, to, to help you through whatever it is you're going through. And you're called to soar, amen, like an eagle, praise God. Amen. We're called to soar in God. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. I uh, was thinking about, you know, some of these things that we, um, you know, as you kind of get into this, um, you know, there's nothing impossible with God. Um, you know, the word even brings out that, you know, there's uh, nothing too hard for God. We could get into Jeremiah. We get into Genesis. And you can find all these references that said that there's nothing too hard. Now, the point being, the reason I think it's worthy of bringing this out is because you have to understand that if, if our thinking's off, okay, in other words, if our thinking, you know, our attention, our seeing and thinking, our attention, come on now, is off, what happens? It affects how we're going to receive. It affects the results that we may walk in. It literally could be the thing that cuts you short of a breakthrough or a miracle in your life just based on that. But see, but if we have what you'd call maybe God-inspired thinking, in other words, we can, uh, if we can get you to kind of bring your attention up higher, set your attention on high, on the God, on the Lord most high, hallelujah, on the Lord on high, if we will set our attention up there, amen, pretty soon, all of a sudden, our way of seeing and our way of thinking begins to be altered and changed. And next thing you know, you're being renewed, you're being strengthened, praise God. You're now coming into a place where now you ain't going to doubt or, or have any unbelief that gets in the way. Come on, child of God. It's amazing how all of a sudden all that shifts, and all based on the fact that your attention now is on something different, and now all of a sudden you, you're not seeing the limits anymore. It's amazing to me. You know, I always use this as an illustration because I think it just speaks you know, back in, I don't know, it was like 1954 or something like that, a uh, gentleman by the name, I believe it's Roger Bannister, I believe was his name. And uh, they said up to that point that the four-minute mile was impossible. It was impossible for the human body 
to be able to, uh, to hold uh, a pace that it could break a four-minute mile. Okay, well, at that time, that's how they saw it. That's how they thought it. So that was the word they used. It is impossible. Well, until this gentleman did it. Now, all of a sudden, because a, an individual has done that, no longer are people seeing it as not possible or thinking it as not obtainable. In other words, impossible, right? So they're not seeing it as impossible anymore. So I believe it was, they said within the next 12 months, it was like 34 other people broke the four-minute mile. Is it just somehow, you know, all humans all of a sudden got a little stronger? No. What happened was right here, the limits were up here. The limits were how they were seeing it and how they were thinking it. And I think about how many times we miss out on some breakthroughs and miracles and things that can happen to allow God to move in our life, to see something happen where we recognize there's no limits, but instead, because of how we see it, how we think it, pretty soon we're limiting God. Even though God has no limits, we still are locked on the limits. We are somehow behind walls of containment, somehow locked down by limits, because of just how we see it or how we think it. Well, child of God, if we're called to soar in God, we're going to have to get rid of some of those limits. Well, how does that work? Well, first and foremost, you've got to get your attention on Him. Part of that is you're going, to have to, you're going to have to stay in the Word of God, okay? Recognize that there are no limits in God, amen? And not just mentally assent. Now, obviously, we've got to renew our mind. So your mind, you know, as you're reading this, your mind begins to make a modification. That word um, to renew the mind means to empower, renew, restructure the mind. Um, you know, the word says you can be, that you may be transformed by this, okay, which means is really a Greek word. It comes out of metamorphosis. I think it's actually metamorphio, but it comes out of metamorphosis, or the word we know as metamorphosis which means basically like a tadpole to a frog. Uh, you know, uh, we got multiple, you see it a lot of times, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's all called metamorphosis. It, it's from one thing changing completely to something else. All right? And that's exactly what happens to you and me. So the word has got to be so key. It's one of those ways to get your uh, attention off the natural things onto something spiritual. Now, the reason I mention the word is because um, what you have here in the word is a, it's a language. It's a different kind of a language. It's not, it's not you know, when you, when, you, when you look at this at first, you think, well, it goes contrary to the, what you grow up with. It goes contrary to how you see things in the natural. Well, it's because it's a different kind of language. It's a language of potential, okay? Everything you read in the Word, there's, there's, it's, it's, trying to, it's trying to get you to see the potential of everything, okay? Everything in the world has its own language, and I would call it a language of limits, it, if you listen to, to, to how word, verbiage goes, you know, I'm not talking about like Spanish or French or something. I'm talking about now literally the world itself has its own kind of language. And it always is about limits. It always somehow will lock you down and put you behind walls of containment. 
But whereas when you get into the word of God and you begin to find out things about your heavenly father, you find out things about the God on high or the most high God. Amen. All of a sudden, see the one, the creator of the ends of the earth, the one that set it all in motion, that knows the, the, the name of every star, the name of every planet. I mean, we can go on and there's just and, and, and they have found out, man, there's just billions and billions and billions of, of stars and and, uh, you know, planet terry things that are going on out there just uh, just amazing what's happening out there and god knows it all the word said he flung them all out there and it's all the point i'm trying to make is the one that you're finding out in the word is the one that has absolutely no limits and then we come back to this and, and we're finding out he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that's at work right now, that's, that's active in you right now. What can we get active in you? And then when you get in the word of God, that's what it begins to change. So now that begins to alter and change. So now what's working in you is something greater today than what was working in you yesterday. So a big key to this, obviously, is the word of God. Amen. That's what helps keep your attention on the right things. Amen. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. I was just thinking about that in the area of you know, uh, you know, coming into a realm of possibility. Well, the way that's going to work is you're going to have to hook up to the one that has no limits. All right. Well, anyway, praise the Lord. Uh, let's go with, uh, let's go to Psalms 78. Kind of got a little preachy there. Apologize for that. But uh, let's look at some things here. Psalm 78. And um, I want to just kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, not setting limits. Okay, not living in God, all right? Uh, verse 40, Psalm 78, verse 40 says, How often, talking about the children of Israel now, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and they grieved him in the desert. Now, uh, one of your other references in Psalms, you know, brings out the fact that they, um, they uh, did not, what happened was they did not believe his word. When he so, spoke things to them, they did not believe it. Uh, it also brings out they complained in their tents. Okay, these are some of the things he's talking about here when he says they, that they provoked him in the wilderness and they grieved him uh, in the desert. That's what they were doing. Okay, so they were not believing what he said and they were complaining all the time. Okay, yes, again and again, they tempted God. Okay, they limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, obviously, okay, what we're finding out here, now this is the generation he's talking about here that wandered in a wilderness for 40 years. Now, according to the scriptures, it was only an 11-day journey from, from Egypt where they were released from, okay, where they, where, they, where they left the house of bondage to go to the mount of God to where they could look over into the promised land, okay, a promised land, land was promised. Now listen, 11-day journey. Okay, that turned into 40 years. And the word says the reason it did that is because of this very thing right here. Okay, so I think it's worthy of us to look at and think about here. Okay, so it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. But then it goes on and says, for they did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. And we're not, we're not talking like it. I mean, we're talking literally all the, uh, the miracles that happened to get him out of Egypt. They, they end up at the Red Sea, and we might even look at this here before it's over with here today. But they're, here they are, you know, they get delivered. I mean, the sea parts, they cross. Uh, the enemy comes, follows them. The sea closes in on them. The point being is God delivers them, you know, 
phenomenal miracles, and yet from there on, they still murmured, griped, complained, still ignored it when he talked to them about things. And you think, how could anybody do that? But if you stop and you think about it, it comes down to a way of seeing and thinking. Uh, one gentleman years ago made the statement, he says, you know, God got the children of Israel out of Egypt, he just couldn't get Egypt out of them. You know, in other words, the way they were thinking back there is still the way, even though they, they're now in a different location, they're still thinking the same way. They limited God there, okay? They're limiting God here, okay? And as a result, here they are now wandering in a wilderness for 40 years. Now, nobody, you know, likes to hear that, but it still comes down to how they think, right? They did not remember. In other words, they, their thinking was still, they, they still couldn't lock on to what God was trying to do, the God who delivered them, the God who could do anything. I mean, you stop and think about half the miracles that took place of, for them to get delivered out of Egypt, and then just to look at the, at the sea being parted and water coming from a rock and the quail that just every day would come through the camp and the manna that, and all that manna means is what is it? You know, so this, this substance would fall from heaven that they could eat that would keep them uh, nourished, I mean, we just, uh, just the things that happen, and yet for some, uh, the, the fire, the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by, I mean, we go on and on and on of all the things that God did and was doing every day for them, and yet they could go back to their tents and murmur and gripe and complain and not give heed to anything God was trying to talk to them about, and you think, how could anybody do that and yet sometimes we got to scratch our, you know, we might be scratching our head looking at somebody else thinking, how could you not get this? And sometimes we got to say, you know, how is it that sometimes we don't get it? Now, again, no, no condemnation there. But I think sometimes we've all been guilty of this kind of mess, all right, when God has already, I mean, think about all the things God has done for you that have shown to you that his abilities are unlimited. And yet, because of what's working in us, we can't seem to get you know, our, our way of seeing it, our way of thinking it beyond the limits. And so as a result, instead of operating in a realm of possibility, we're operating in a realm of limits. We're stuck down here talking and thinking like the world. You know, that language of limits down here is where we operate. So we're now operating out of a realm of limits instead of coming up higher here, amen, and living in a realm of possibility every day of our life. And so it's hard to soar. You know, I made a statement, I think a couple weeks back, and I just kind of in passing, and I praise God that he compared us to the eagle and not to a turkey or an ostrich or something. And even though maybe they all, uh, you know, have their qualities about them, but, you know, you think about some birds that are pretty much stuck, they're grounded, you know, they're down here. They're not up flying off or something, you know. He could have picked any one of them, and, you know, we'd be this one that's stuck down here all the time, you know, kind of limited in what we can do, our abilities, all that, or, or believe that the reason he chose the eagle, the one that can soar pretty much higher than most other birds, the one that can lock his wings and, and run into any storm and not, not be sunk by it. Come on, somebody. We can think about all this kind of stuff. God compared you, amen, uh, you know, said that you can soar, mount up with wings like eagles and soar, amen, in God like the eagle. Come on. The point I'm trying to make is 
God needs us to be a people that have working in us this unlimited, uh, you know, thinking it, seeing it, amen, that there are no limits in God. And if there are no limits in God, that means we're unlimited, praise God. That means there are things that can happen for us and through us and around us and for us and for those around us. I mean, we can go on and on and on about how many uh, things that that unlimited power uh, can be so useful for, praise God, if we will just hook up and connect with it. And again, I'm going to bring up, even though God's thoughts are thoughts of no limits, it really comes down to not so much about how he's thinking, but how you're thinking. Because even though he's thinking no limits, you might still be thinking limits. And so as a result of it, then now we're grounded in a sense in a realm of limits instead of soaring in a realm of possibility all because of how we're seeing it and thinking it ourselves. Now, let me show you a few examples of that because in the book of Numbers, now remember this whole uh, Psalm 78 was talking about the children of Israel. And this same group here, when you look at it in, in uh, Numbers, uh, chapter 13 of Numbers, now what has happened here? Um, They've, you know, all this stuff's happened. They're, they're going to go in. Uh, Moses sent in spies, one, uh, one leader from, from every tribe, okay, to go into the promised land, spy out the land, so to speak, and bring back a word about things. And uh, the word said that they had returned. Um, uh, in fact, verse 25 says, they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they uh, departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran, uh, and at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them, and there was all the people, and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Of course, it was, it was a wonderful thing. And they told them, uh, look at this, I love this, verse 27. Then, um, now I'm in Numbers 13, verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly, it truly, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. In other words, it's just like he said, it is a fruitful land, just like God said, and just like you told us, and it's it very accurate. But here, here's the but, right? Nevertheless, the people who dwell there are strong. In other words, uh, that word strong, if you look it up, just means harsh or fierce. I mean, they're, they're painting a pretty, pretty strong picture here. Uh, the people that dwell in that land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there, okay, which, I mean, we can kind of start defining all this. It's amazing. Uh, the Amalekites, okay, uh, dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites uh, and the Jebusites and the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan, a bunch of ites here. And every one of those names, when you look them up, it's, it's most of them deal with terrorized or fear or some kind of a torment or, a, you know, just, it just paints a picture of that everybody in that land um, is... is there to devour anybody else that comes in there. Okay, that's the picture they're painting. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. I love this. Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able. We are, see, we're, we're not limited. That's what he's saying. We're not limited. Amen. We can do this. We can overcome this. And the reason he said, because God's the one that said we could. So he who is unlimited said that we can do this, which makes us unlimited. We are well able. We are not limited here, okay? But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. In other words, we are too limited. That's exactly what they're saying. 
And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Now, if he says in the scriptures a bad report, guess what? It was a bad report. It wasn't right what they did. Okay, it was wrong. Uh, he said, a bad report of the land which they spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours. Here it is, that devours its inhabitants. Really? And all the people whom we saw in there are men of great stature. Okay, everybody's, you know, seven foot tall. You know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak there or that came from the giants. And we were, we were, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. And my question to them would be, did you go and ask them? Did we? Uh, no, it's, this is just how you saw it. Now, see, it comes back to this again. How do you define impossible? That which is seen as not possible or thought as not obtainable. So they went in there. Amen. Listen, they went in there and they came back out with, with a thought and with a view that was off. And they couldn't get past it, even though and we, we know in Scripture here it was both Joshua and Caleb that were trying to uh, get the children of Israel to do it, to move forward. They did not. And Joshua and Caleb were the only men of that generation that moved, went in, that actually got to go into the promised land 40 years later. And I'm just going to say this. Nothing changed naturally uh, from this moment to 40 years later when they actually went in with the next generation and took possession of the promised land. But what changed was their way of seeing and thinking. And we could preach on that all day long, okay, about the difference just based on their viewpoint and the thinking, okay? And these gentlemen, okay, didn't turn out good for these other 10 spies, but Joshua and Caleb, of course, get to go in uh, and take possession uh, 40 years later. All right, now the point I'm trying to make, the worst enemy they had was their own thinking. Okay, they limited God, all right? How about Judges 6? Um, let's look at something here. I want to just give a couple examples before I let you go here. Judges 6, and what we have is Gideon and verse 15. Okay, I'm kind of jumping in toward the end here. Of course, they, they, the angel of the Lord came to him, said, you're called to do this. You're the man that's called to do this. Uh, you're a mighty man of valor. Well, of course, Gideon didn't, didn't get that, didn't see that, didn't, had no view of that. He didn't, no thought of that. He saw himself as something less than, and that's exactly what he said in this context. Verse 15, he said, so he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan Okay, my tribe is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. In other words, he's, he's, the, he's the weakest of the weak, is what he just said. And you're, so that was his view of himself. That was how he thought of himself. But if you recall, things shifted, and he ended up being exactly what God said he was, a mighty man of valor. In fact, in chapter 8, they already, men have already been conquering, already taken ground, and said this, in Judges 8 and verse 4, okay, that even uh, Gideon came to the Jordan and he and the 300 men who were with him, of course, there's a lot said before this, the whole story of this thing, but they crossed over uh, with him. Uh, they said it, they were even exhausted, but still in pursuit. Now, the point I wanted to make here is that when you're talking about li being limited or unlimited, okay, it's not just about... Uh, you know, when you think about this, it's, it's not just about believing bigger or not believing bigger. Sometimes it's just about whether you're going to move forward or not. Now, we're talking about the Gideon that in chapter 6, 
Okay, two chapters earlier, saw himself as nothing but the weakest of the weak. And now we're getting two chapters later after God's already been showing himself strong. Now he's rising up as that mighty man of valor. And even when he's feeling tired and he knows, man, we're all a little bit uh, wore out right now, he's still in hot pursuit. The point is a lot changed in the way he saw and the way he thought. And, of course, he conquered and did exactly what he was called to do. and goes down in history as just what God told him, that he was a mighty man of valor. Another one that I think is worthy of bringing up is, uh, is Moses. In Exodus 3, let's look at this. Exodus 3, okay, in the very beginning. Now, the whole story about where, you know, how uh, Moses ended up, you know, out in the desert, you know, and everything that happened there. Uh, but in chapter 3, in verse 11, and the verse says this, And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Now, obviously, uh, in context, what has happened, he's out, you know, um, you know, he's already left Egypt. He's been out in the wilderness now for whatever it's been, 30, 40 years, okay? And uh, he's out there with the sheep, and, and uh, all of a sudden he sees a, a bush that's supposedly burning, but it's not burning, Okay, he goes up. Next thing you know, he's having a conversation with God. God, again, uh, just like Gideon, talking to him about what he's going to be called to do. He's going to be a deliverer uh, for the children of Israel and to deliver them out of uh, the hand of the Pharaoh in Egypt. They're all going to be delivered and come to the Mount of God to worship him, uh, you know, and they're going to have a promised land, all this kind of stuff. And the point is this, Moses didn't see that. Now, if you read the whole story, you find out why through certain circumstances. But now he's got a view and a thought that's not lining up. And he didn't think he had had it in him to do this. Okay, And there's a, there's a lot more to be said in this. But the bottom line is, that's what he thought. All right? But you know as well as I do, once everything shifted, he started moving forward. He did what he was called to do. In fact, if you jump into chapter 14, and maybe we'll close with this today and I want to I'm just trying to make a point here before I let you go but his way of thinking shifted he's no longer you know necessarily thinking limits okay so here he is now in front of uh, you know the children of Israel have left Egypt they're now in front of the Red Sea okay here comes the enemy barreling down on their backside here and they're facing the sea and wondering where they're going to go from here. And in verse, uh, verse 13, this is Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see uh, again no more forever. Uh, the Lord will fight for you and you shall uh, hold your peace. In other words, no more whining here. And the Lord said, to Moses, why do you cry to me? <laughs> a lot of people don't, don't uh, re- recognize that what's going on. So obviously what happened was uh, Moses turned to the people, made this statement, then turned back, and basically probably a little nervous because he's staring at a, a sea and wondering what God's going to do here. So he might, either he said something to God, but my point it probably is he must have said something because God said, why do you cry to me? Okay, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Okay. As I was saying, sometimes when we're talking about unlimited or unlimited, 
a, a realm of possibility. Sometimes it's not just about believing something bigger, but sometimes it's just about moving forward. Sometimes it's like when everything about that's going on around you says you can't move forward, you're moving forward anyway because you operate out of a realm of possibility. You operate without limits, amen, just like the one you serve and the one in whom you lean on and trust in has no limits, and as a result of it, you operate, amen, kingdom living, amen, without limits. Come on now. He says, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel, go forward. But of course, he said, lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground uh, through the midst of the sea. Praise God. Amen, which was a, a glorious uh, breakthrough and miracle. No limits. Man, when you see a, a, just something like that by itself, phenomenal. Okay, that just tells you your God, the God you serve has no limits. Amen. And so uh, I just thought it was worthy to bring out that when we're talking about, uh, you know, soaring in God, sometimes it's not just about believing bigger. Sometimes it's just about moving forward and just keep going. Keep doing, praise God. Trust in the God, amen, who uh, has no, no limits. Trust in the God who's above it all. Trust in the God whose understanding and wisdom is unmeasurable. Trust in the one, praise God, that, that, that knows uh, what you're going through and will know how to navigate you through whatever it is you're dealing with, praise God, amen. So part of soaring in God is just moving forward, amen, taking ground and being all that you're called to be. I hope you got something today, praise God. Father, I give you praise and glory once again for this people that had an ear to hear, a heart to receive. And again, for opening the eyes of their understanding, we give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Child of God, I call you blessed. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash victory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.